Today's retail market is rapidly changing. This year, gain the skills you need to grow your business and learn how to make a profit-focused strategy for the future. The NHPA Retail Management Certification Program will provide you with college-level training on everything from business strategy and financial management to marketing, merchandising, operations, and more. Classes are taught by successful retailers, industry experts, and collegiate professors. Don't wait. Classes start soon. Apply by July 1st to start your certification. Scholarships are also available. Learn more and apply today at yournhpa.org rmcp. Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More, hosted by myself, Renee Shagnon. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Matt Woods, president and CEO of Woods Hardware, a four-store chain in Cincinnati, and one of the newest members of the NHPA Board of Directors. Tune into the episode to learn about Matt's career in the hardware industry and his family business, his involvement with the association over the years, and why he decided to become a board member. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Hey, thanks, Renee. I appreciate being on. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you. Um, before we really dive in and, and start talking about Woods Hardware, do you mind maybe introducing yourself and just tell us a little background about your beginnings in the hardware industry um, and kind of what led you to the position you're in today? Sure. Uh, you know, so I'm fourth generation. Uh, you know, we, we've actually only been doing hardware for maybe about 13 years. We were originally a locksmith company and my father had the uh, foresight um, if people were coming in and get their locks changed or keys cut, might as well sell them a roll of duct tape. So we, uh, we got into the hardware business in the mid-2000s, and um, from there we've grown into uh, this multi-chain store of hardware stores. Uh, my uh, parents are still in the business, but uh, they decided to turn the reins over to me, and uh, um, as long as their paycheck doesn't bounce, they're still happy. So. So can you tell me, I guess, a little bit about the, the history of the business, which you sort of did, but I, I remember that when I first was introduced to you, that it, you were still, uh, was it Acme Lock was the name of the, of the company? So maybe tell me a little bit about the history, and, and I, I'm assuming you really knew your way around making keys back in the day growing up, but maybe just tell me a little bit about being a fourth generation owner and the transition from the original business model to what you're in today? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, my great-grandparents uh, started Acme in 1933, and um, the being in downtown Cincinnati, you just, you're right in the middle of the, middle of everything. You know, we were a block away from the courthouse, and what we realized was how much relationship and uh, just building that network. And so when more and more people started moving back to the urban core, um, we started realizing some of the basic services just weren't there to meet their needs. And so um, my father, the third generation, um, really pushed through that we needed to do some type of convenience hardware. Um, mm -hmm. our, our original hardware store was only 1,200 square feet. Uh, so we, uh, we joked around we were the Walgreens of hardware. And then uh, we, uh, I guess in 2016, expanded. We actually bought a chain of hardware stores, and uh, now we're uh, – only a hardware store business. We actually sold Acme Lock on December 31st, and uh, wow. now we're focused only on hardware. 
Wow. Well, you made the transition, and it seems like, especially in the year we're in, um, that hardware is is hotter than ever, in my opinion, it seems. Um, So as a four-store chain, what would you say it's like operating multiple locations and do you, is it something that you have ambitions of wanting to continue to grow? Um, I'd love to kind of hear about your going from one location to four and then what, how, how that's different for you guys now. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, you have one issue, you times it by four, you know, that's where we're at sometimes, but you know, the realization is it's all talent. You know, it's finding people to entrust and be good stewards of, you know, what we've been gifted. And, you know, really, um, I joke around that my, my job is I'm more like chief visionary officer. I set the vision, everyone else executes it. And so um, the realization is, is that there are lots of great people running the business for us. I'm just more kind of steering the course, but uh, they're the ones who are really getting it done. So. Uh, you know, I don't want Pollyanna. There are day-to-day issues. I mean, COVID has destroyed every supply chain, destroyed uh, employment, done everything possible to make our lives difficult. But we've been very fortunate. We have a really great core group of people with low turnover. And uh, the way that we can manage for, we actually had more hardware stores, but we've actually sold one uh, last year as well. Um, but you know, it's really, it's just about talent acquisition. We find the right people. It makes my job really easy. So, um, I, I, my next question was kind of asking what your day-to-day focus and your role. And as you sort of just touched on it as being the core visionary officer, but, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what your kind of day-to-day focus is. And then maybe you could expand upon how you guys find your talent. Um, yeah. So, yeah, really my role is, my number two, Lonnie, is the guy who's really running the show. Um, yeah. You know, he, I, I kind of feel like I'm more like a consultant to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the way to save yourself from burnout, from just getting into the weeds, is don't be in the weeds. And so um, my natural tendency is micromanagement, so I can't micromanage when I'm not getting into the weeds. So um, you know, I trust what he's doing. Uh, he, he was an operations manager of several, uh, Home Depots. And when I brought him on, um, you know, it really, he knows how to run a business and I'm just there more as like a strategic advisor to him. And it helps me to stay engaged with the community. I do my best really to, um, I see my role of being out there as like the, the spokesman for the company. And not necessarily the person that has to drive every decision. Um, I think the way to stay happy and content in your role is being more of the coach than being the quarterback. So. Mm-hmm. And then as far as like, what are some of the things I know you found a, a great lead um, to help with those things, but how do you find even just your, your everyday employee or your hourly employee? Because I think that's something that I've heard from so many retailers. It's like the, the question of the hour, where do I find the good talent and how do I keep them? Yeah, I mean, one, I, I definitely spent some money on Indeed. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, when we're actually specifically looking for, like, assistant manager and above, um, I spend the money on re- resume searches and I do recruiting. I mean, I you can't just hope for the next best employee to walk through that door. You really have to actively engage. Um, I data mine. Uh, if somebody puts a resume on Indeed or Monster and they put it in their Home Depot or Lowe's, I look at their resume, and if they post it on there, it means they've looked for a job, and yeah. then I'll make an outbound reach to them. So 
we've been able to do that. Lonnie and his networking with Depot, um, you know, we talk about their employees as being low-hanging fruit, but uh, um, it, it's really, it's an all the above. It's putting out ads, it's putting signs in your door, it's also just asking our employees, like, hey, do you have somebody you recommend or that you knew from a former employment? So, um, really, I think it's four, it's four approaches, and, you know, every once in a while we find a, uh, the right fit, and it hasn't been easier. I mean, everybody complains about, you know, potentially $15 an hour uh, uh, minimum wage. Well, I think we're very close to that anyways, just because of natural market forces, which means, you know, there's just not enough talent out there. So our objective is to build a great company that people want to come to work for. And then two, you know, you can't rely on them just knocking on your door. You got to do the door knocking yourself. Definitely. So do you mind telling us, I guess, about some of your employees and um, maybe about from across the four businesses or the four stores, um, how many people are on staff and kind of what is the relationship like with all those employees that you have? Yeah, so we have uh, 48 employees. Um, we have four store managers, four assistant managers. I mean, we, we really run our stores with no more than six employees at any given time. Yeah. Um, yeah, we... Uh, really, it's kind of like a family business where each store is its own family business. You know, I, sure. I really just more float in, check in, hey guys, how are things going? You know, I do things from the office just to make sure and send emails, but I believe the culture is set with the store manager and the store manager's culture is set with Lonnie and Lonnie's culture is set with me. And that hierarchy, that chain of command, I think is really what bubbles up because, you know, we have a store in Lachlan that is way different than our downtown store, and we can't just cookie cutter every culture. You know, the yeah. store reflects the community that they serve, and so it's very important to us that the manager reflects the community and also serves the community the way they want to be served. So do your employees go from location to location, or are they like, if someone works for one location, that's like their primary place that they work? That's their primary. Um, okay. Every once in a while, when something opens up in another location, um, you know, you hate taking talent out of one to serve the other, but, you know, that's the one thing, too, with when employee turnover is that if somebody feels like they're at the, the glass ceiling within their doors, that's why we were always adamant about looking internal to saying, hey, we have an opening and let them turn it down first before we hire external because, you know, it, it helps with that turnover that people feel like they're being appreciated or recognized. And again, if they're happy in the location they're at, that's great. There may not be the opportunity as quick as they want, but you know, that is something that we've done, you know, really strove to do for at least the last few years. You know, me being on the member services team, I'm always curious, do you all um, use, do any like types of employee training or what, what do you do as far as getting either new people in and trained or is there a type of educational opportunities available to your employees? So, I mean, we actually, um, unless any full-time employee that is going to be a key holder or above, they actually will train at my downtown store or my lock. Okay. So, we uh, will do about a six-week focused on-the-job training there. And then, because, you know, both of those stores are my rock star stores. And not that the other two aren't, but we, we almost see them as a good training ground because they're higher volume. They have a great culture, and I want that to emulate in all the stores. So um, we're very um, adamant that people have to choose one or the, you know, some people aren't comfortable going into a downtown environment, so we let them go to our Lachlan if that, that's the 
But, you know, our downtown store, it's safe. It's just there's always a perception way out in the suburbs that, you know, downtown is, uh, you know, about ready to get mugged, but it's never happened. We've never been held up. We've never been robbed in 90 years of being down there and, you know, knock on wood, and, you know, I hope it continues. So. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that, you know, I'm not the person to go to to how to fix a toilet or, you know, hang a light fixture, or you know, but, you know, our mantra is that we're a community center that happens to sell hardware. You know, we, we focus on, you know, prior to COVID, we had popcorn, we had coffee, you know, it's really just relationship building. So, I mean, you can do that at any thing you do. Um, you know, I love hardware, but I love people. And that's kind of what I really focus on is, um, I'd rather be the relationship builder within our walls than the driver of the business. And um, it's taken a few years to get there to kind of figure that out. But my role is happiest when I'm just focusing on uh, serving people and making sure our stores are doing the same. Yeah, that's great. So I just the other day, and your episode's going to come out later in the month, but I just episode or I just had an episode and recorded it with Ryan Ringer, um, and both of you were when I was doing my research ahead of our calls, both of you were nominated as Young Retailer of the Year honorees in 2015, um, which I think is kind of cool too that you're both now on the board. But what was the experience like um, being nominated as an honoree with the NA NHPA, formerly NRHA, and did you have much of an interaction with us prior to that? Um, you know, it, one, it was a great honor. I mean, I had just started focusing on the hardware side of our business. I was very much um, involved in the operations of our locksmith business at the time. And uh, we chose to really start focusing our growth on hardware at that time. And my rep from Oracle um, had mentioned it to me. And I, again, other than seeing the hardware retailing magazine, did not have much exposure to the NRHA at that time. But he recommended that I should apply or that he would uh, make the recommendation for me. Because, um, you know, with a 1,200-square-foot store and doing a remodel and getting about every A and B mover we could possibly fit into that space, um, he was really the driver that kind of recognized that you know, I might be worthy of this. And, again, I don't, I, you know, you look at the people who are on there, uh, like someone like Ryan, who uh, we joke around, we have a disease that's called being a serial entrepreneur. Um, you know, we just can't stop. And... Uh, Ryan does an amazing business, and um, you know, it was really great to get connected with a lot of other entrepreneurs and seeing them rise and getting great. And from that point, getting involved in the roundtables and just realizing, you know, my ecosystem was just me and my family. But then when you start branching out and doing the collaboration, you just start realizing maybe we would have figured it out five years later. But these guys have already done it, so it's been more of being a sponge. You know, among really great retailers like Ryan. So um, I love just kind of hearing that, and that's you're you're saying something similar to what Ryan had said, where it's even.
Yeah, so um, one, the organization, the resources, I mean, just from training um, to, you know, I'm on two different roundtables. I've been a part of events up in Indianapolis. Um, I just realized the value um, of what services you all provide um, are just incredible. You know, the, the ability to connect the dots between other retailers around the country. And it's one, help grow our business tremendously. Um, but two, um, you know, I didn't seek out the position I was asked and it was, I mean, it's a big honor and the realization is that this organization has been around a long time and there are, uh, countless people that I, I think have been positively influenced by, um, you know, by your organization and the organization I serve on now. And, um, that's something I, it was impossible for me to say no. And so, um, you know, people like Scott Wright, Dan Trottencheck, you know, like those guys have built into me, uh, built into my business, but also have built into others. And it's been a lot of fun working with them. Um, I mean, one, you know, we're, we're all in it together. We're not competition. I mean, you know, you might hear competition among the co-ops and the different things, but the realization, our sphere of influence is, you know, three to five miles around our stores and, you know, connecting with other entrepreneurs that are in the same battle, the same supply chain issues, the same over-promising, you know, all those things that you hear, but just realizing we're all the same nationwide, it's been great to just work with NHPA, and then, you know, I if I was going to say one thing of anybody who's listening to this, go to a roundtable, go to an event, spend some time at the booth at the uh, at one of your conventions or shows because, I mean, the realization is that uh, collaboration is so invaluable, and the ability for you to work on your business and to learn more is probably the greatest asset you can bring back to your company, and NHPA provides that hands down. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, the board itself is really the overseer of the organization. I mean, uh, uh, Bob and Dan and Scott and all you know, all the leadership within NHPA are vetting ideas and direction, and really the board is just there to one for governance, but two to say, hey, this is what we're seeing in our business, and this is how the NHPA can be a uh, more relevant to other retailers. And so we're giving guidance from a relevancy, we're giving guidance from a economic and financial, but then also just trying to make sure that the board is caring about, you know, people like you, Renee, you know, people that are talented that are helping NHPA, making sure that, you know, the top leadership recognizes and, you know, can be an effective leader for you guys.
Yeah, I mean, their involvement is so key because, you know, every region, you know, we get people from Canada, people from the Northeast, Southwest, you know, you name it. And, um, you know, it's funny is, you know, my, I work with True Value, you know, and, uh, you know, there are people on the board that are do it best, people that are with ACE. And, you know, we're all in this, in this together. And where I really enjoy the board and enjoy the NHPA is that um, it breaks down a lot of barriers. It very much allows that collaboration. Um, you know, Ryan runs a lumber yard. You know, I run a retail hardware store. You know, we don't sell the same products, but I've gained so much knowledge from someone like him on how to acquire, how to value, how to grow our business. And that's what, it, that's what matters. You know, it, it's, again, I go back to my point earlier about relationship building. The relationships we're gaining through this have helped connect the dots that have made me a better business owner and leader. But then also, um, you know, you're just recognizing, you know, the thing with the uh, young retailers, you're also recognizing people that are rising. And usually those people are some of the most engaged that want to work with the NHPA because they're doing things within their own organization. So again, I just, it's fun just watching other people have success and do a great job of connecting those dots. Uh, no, I just, you know, again, I appreciate this opportunity and, you know, just realizing that the good work that you guys do is so important to our industry. And you know, we're up against big box retailers. We're trying to figure out what's the latest trends. You know, a lot of times we're so focused inside of our walls that we just don't see what the market's doing until it's too late. And uh, you guys are always on top of what direction we need to be heading in. We just have to be able to listen and follow in. So. Thanks, Renee. I appreciate the opportunity.